Hello, we are live. Welcome everyone to the Story X Story podcast live, which is a new thing. Well, actually, we've done live streams before, but uh, I'll explain what we're going to be doing here. Um, but the Story X Story is the show where we discuss stories across pop culture and give you advice on creating your own. This is a live stream special and I am your co-host, Nigel. I am Tazzy, content creator and co-host. And what we're doing here is called The Story Club, where we talk about stories in a bit more depth. It's kind of like a book club, but with comics and video games. I think that's the best description uh, I can give for it. So what we're going to do, we're going to pick a story, whether it's a comic, manga, or video games, and we're going to break it down and we're going to invite some guests and we're going to introduce our guests in just a moment. But just want to let people know that you can also subscribe to our regular audio podcast, which comes out weekly on Thursdays. That is on every platform that you can find podcasts. Uh, and if it's not, let us know uh, and then we'll put it on that platform. So you can also send us your feedback. If you're listening live, you can put your feedback in chat. Hello, everyone that is joining us live, people that will be watching this later uh, and listening later on the audio stream as well. In general, you can send your feedback, though, to feedback at myamada.com or on social media. We're at myamada on Twitter, at myamada TV on Instagram and at Tazzy on both. So before we get into our discussion, I just want to let people know because we're going to be talking about a comic. We make comics as well. And we have our own comic, Serious Through the Fog, which is coming. I've been saying that for what feels like a long time, but it is uh, actually coming. So the artwork is just about uh, done. We are preparing the comic for print. And it's going to be, yeah, it's, it's on, available for pre-order right now. It's going to be in print in October. So yeah, it is, it's been a long road. We are getting there. So for those who are interested in finding out about the next installment of the serious world of characters, so Blake Serious, Supernova, uh, and their journey, it's going to be about them. Uh, and if you've never read uh, My Matter Story, this is a good time to get into it because this one is uh, inspired, for lack of a better word, by the pandemic. So yeah, you kind of know how that goes. Yeah, Sirius is one of my favourite My Mother stories as well. So I'm not biased or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, I think you will. Uh, yeah, hello everyone that is joining us. Hello Lord Paladin. Hello Haley. Hello, 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 and welcome. So let's let's meet our guests for today. So here's our panel. This is our complete panel for our first ever story club. Uh, so we have, well, familiar voices, if you've been following us for any link length of time, but uh, we might be putting some faces uh, to the names, uh, to the voices, faces to the voices. I think something of what I said there made sense. But anyway, we have the Ace Comicals podcast host, Greg Driver. Hello, everybody. How's it going? All good. All good. Um, cool. You were talking about Sirius. Um, you actually came over to us and did like a little um, mini interview thing about it, didn't you? Earlier? I did. I yeah. did in the in the days when I thought it was imminently coming out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, how how naive I was. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, no. Thank you for having that conversation with me. 
No, it's a good. It's still a good conversation, even if even if the book hasn't yet been released. It's still a good conversation to go back and listen to because it's a little bit of insight there into the story and the creative process behind it, which is cool. yeah, definitely. Everything I said was still valid, so still yeah, yeah still <laughs> true. So yeah, go check that out. Um, you can check out Greg's Greg's appearances on our podcast. We've spoken about the Dark Knight. We've spoken about Logan. Greg was on our end of year live stream 2020 episode. Also on our end of year 2020 live stream episode was illustrator and colorist Erin Angiolini. Erin, welcome back. It's lovely to be back. Thank you for having me. Also, welcome to Italy because I'm connecting from Italy. So can you see the Italy coming your I can, way? <laughs> I can see it in the window. I can, welcome I can, to Rome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't paying attention before, but now that you said that, yeah, I can, can see you Italy say there's pizza in that. And yeah, pasta yeah. Everywhere around me. How, how did I? How did I miss that? <laughs> I think, I think we've, yeah. got, we've got some of Italy in the UK right now in Leicester because I think Leicester are playing against Napoli this evening. I don't know too oh, much. Was that about happening football. today? Okay, um, So it's this this cross cultural thing that's happening in our yeah. in our podcast in the world. Yeah. <laughs> So we are all here, like I mentioned, to talk about a comic and a specific comic, Scales and Scoundrels. Uh, so we've all read it. I'm going to go with that. We've all, uh, we've all got of, it. So, kind yeah, of. kind of. I'm sure we'll get to that in, in just a moment. Um, so we're going to be talking about a story. Got We've got people who cover stories. We've got people who make stories. So it should be an interesting discussion. But let me just set the scene for those that might not have come across the story or might not yet have uh, read it themselves. So Scales of, and Scoundrels follows the journey of Luvanda, a young woman wandering the world, seeking any path she can find towards adventure and treasure. However, when she learns of the mythical tre- treasure of the Den... I'm going to, because I've been reading this in my head, but I, I pronounce this Dened. Yeah. I know I'm taking a break mm. from this. Okay, I'm going to go Dened Lewin, because I've just realized <laughs> that I've been reading this in my head and pronouncing it. But anyway, mythical treasure of Dened Lewin. The usually solitary Lou finds herself joining forces with the dwarven Dorma seeking her brother and the means to provide for her family. The human Prince Aki, who seeks adventure to prove his future reign, and Aki's bodyguard Koro, who seeks to do her duty. However, as these unlikely companions embark on their journey, Lu learns of the dragons who may dwell deep in their destination, forcing her to consider revealing her own deep, dark secret. Uh, So this is... Actually, this is a suggestion from Greg, so thank you for... This suggestion. Do you want to tell us a bit about the people involved in making this? Yeah, so Scales and Scoundrels uh, was originally a 12-issue series published by Image Comics, which, um, yeah, so it, it was it debuted in September 2017. 6th of September 2017, I think, issue one came out. So is that five years? Five years ago? Four yes. years ago? Four years ago. Seventeen? Five. 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 Five years ago. Yeah, Five yeah. years and 10 days. Because <laughs> it's now the 16th. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, I've been, uh, I was following it from, from issue one. Um, we reviewed the first issue on the podcast in one of our very early episodes, Lost to the Sands of Time, somewhere deep in Dowden Laria. Um, but it, it got cancelled after 12 issues, and I was really upset with that because it's such a great story. And 
I wanted to see it completed or I wanted to see some more material with these characters because I liked it from the whole Dungeons and Dragons point of view and the fantasy point of view and things because I was a, I I am a, a big role player I play D&D occasionally things like that so it's it's one of those things that is close to me anyway and uh yeah so this is written by um Sebastian Gurner um the art is by Galad um and uh the letters are by um uh, Jeff Powell. Jeff Powell, that's it. Yeah, I'm just looking for the first name. I can see Powell, Powell, Powell. Can, yeah, Jeff Powell, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think Sebastian Gurner wrote this originally with it for Image and they did the 12 issues, um, as the creative team did the 12 issues with Image and then uh, Sebastian Gurner went and started uh, TKO Studios, which he is now, ed- he's editor-in-chief of TKO Studios. I think he's the founder and I, he's brought it over with him and then finished it off a bit with TKO Studios. But like, I mean, I say finished. There's a lot of extra material in these two definitive editions that TKO released, but it actually leaves things open for a third volume when you get to the end of volume two. So it's like, it's an end, but there's an after credit sequence type thing going on there, which kind of leaves it open for a third volume, which I really hope there is going to be a third volume. It's such a cool story. But yeah, there we go. Yeah, thanks for that. It's um, Yeah, it's good to know like the story about how the story of how stories yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. come to be and like the behind the scenes kind of thing. So like I said, we're going to be doing a deep dive into this story. Uh, we're going to be talking about different aspects like the art, world building, the characters, some themes. I always like to uh, see if we can pull out any themes in a story. But we'll start with the we'll start with the visuals. We're talking comics. And I believe, Erin, you're the, the only one here who can who can draw of <laughs> uh, any kind of uh, professional standard. I'm, I'm, I might be, well, I know I can't. So um, so I'll start with you and just talking about the, the look and the feel because as I was reading this, so this is an all ages sort of epic fantasy story and the illustration kind of really fits with that. Uh, so first of all, like, what did you think of the, the illustration style and like how it fits with the nature of this type of story? I think it. I I really enjoyed it. I think it's 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 it fits very well with the theme and with what I think is the target audience, which is you know can be younger people but also adults. Like there is no limit to that. And I find that sometimes it might be my personal. Like this is my personal point of view, but I think that sometimes lots of fantasy comics. Um, especially once they want to be very like epic and tell like big adventures tend to have a more uh complex style or more like more rendered or more, like at least the more successful ones and sometimes they might not be too accessible for maybe a younger um audience or maybe might not as interesting this one is fun like you, you look at these pages and they look fun and cool and like quirky i i think it's just it's especially it fits very well with the main character with lavanda i think this is a very like if they had drawn her very serious like super realistic i don't think that we would have it would have matched her character as well as this style it's simple but it's very effective it's very expressive like all the silly fun faces that the characters pull and i think it helps balance the uh sometimes you know there's some very sad and like tough moments in it but it's i think that the art style always makes sure that this never becomes like a tragic heavy thing that kind of 
drags you down when you read it. It's always uh, fun and uplifting. And I think that connecting back to the theme question that you mentioned, and we will discuss yep. more about later, but I think that the the art style is a very good choice for what I think are the hidden themes or what I perceive are the hidden themes of the of the story. I like, I'm a colorist. I like the colorists. They're very fun. They're very cool. I like how they, uh, there's a very distinct color shift in the different settings. There's like uh, the, the, the underground city that is very warm because there's like this kind of like welcoming and fun and strangely uh, uh, funny atmosphere and the warm tones kind of make you feel that. And then there's a fish folk scene is like all grays and blues i think it's very it's very fun and it's very cool to watch i would say the only the only very small critique that i have is sometimes the action scenes are a bit uh less dynamic than i would have hoped but they're it's still fun and i still enjoy it's very good like the the artwork works very well with the storytelling of the story like it it flows and it takes me attention and i enjoyed it very much so say it's the double thumbs up for me i know what you mean about the the action scenes being a little static in places yeah 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 yeah. i know what you mean about that i can see that myself but for somehow that doesn't take away from it like it still remains like dreamlike and flowy and expressive and like um you get like it looks magical, doesn't it? Like that's the whole point of it, I guess. Like when you when you're reading it and when you're looking at the panels, because I'm just looking at it now as I'm as I'm talking. Like um, I'll just um, me too. I'm multitasking right yeah, now. Yeah, if I if I pick a page just to show you guys, um, there's some really nice double page spreads in here. Actually, I'm just looking for one of the really good ones. It's like a lose dream, which is the one I'm looking for. She has a dream. Um, it might be towards the beginning. I. It- it is because I know yeah. that bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly there what you're thinking of. <laughs> this one, yeah. So yeah. you just kind of fall into it. It's it's really immersive and magical, and the way it's painted, kind of like it looks like watercolors, yeah, ish yeah, in places. Really um, it's very cool. And I kind of like how you kind of just fall into it and it's like very magical and immersive. Um, And like you were saying about how fantasy art can be a barrier to entry for people with this being as expressive and like leaning more towards the cartoon of end of things as it does. Like fantasy art normally, like you think of the work, like artists like Esad Ribic, who does work for the Marvel Conan comics, which is like that sort of thing if it shows up on the screen where it's like a little more um i don't know if that's not even showing up very well is it anyway but uh, it's like a little a more light. yeah it's my phone sorry <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> whatever it's a little more um like uh if you've ever seen the covers of the golden axe video games like that kind of very yeah oh there we go oh, anatomically I love correct and yeah there we go yeah that kind of stuff can I just say, I think one of the best things about doing the story club for books is all the props that are going to be in this. Exactly <laughs> that. <yeah. laughs> or even, is it Alex Ross as well does, does art in a similar vein? Yeah. Because he does like the very kind of like people wearing spandex in 50s movies art type stuff. <laughs> so I just Got you. It Got yeah, you. that kind of thing. Yeah. What did you think, Tazzy? 
Um, I. Do you want to tell us your history behind uh, getting this book? (laughs) (laughs) Just for context later on. Okay, so let's get that away. I don't have the the TKO book one. I have the um, I have the image volume one, which is half of book one. (laughs) We're gonna fill Tazzy in, so we're gonna yeah, we're gonna bring it. We're gonna bring the rest of the story to life uh, for you. I just want to point out that I was trying to get it from like a physical shop. And not order it on and order it from a specific online brand that everything is ordered from. Um, <laughs> and I went around to several comic book stores and bookstores trying to find it. So by the time I got it, I was like not in the frame of mind to be like, let me double check. It's definitely the right one. I was like, that's it. Okay. I'm Get good. it go. And yeah. <laughs> it is the right one. Yeah, it's the, it's the same book. It's just half yeah, of it. It's just half of it. <laughs> Ironically, one of the comic book stores had the second half, and I was like, oh, that's not the one I need. And now I'm like, I did need it, actually. (laughs) (laughs) It was not the assignment. The assignment was get the first one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, let me talk about uh, what I like about this. (laughs) Yeah, just I just I agree with everyone, really. Um, And then point about the action scenes. For me, I felt like the lettering kind of balance out the lack of dynamic imagery the lettering like, is really dynamic in places it's very yeah, lettering. Like crash and you know written like a crash or whatever like <laughs> yeah there's like scenes like this yeah exactly um and as well like it was easy it did make it like way way easy like just really really uh welcoming and i just love when they do let me see if i can these like zoomed in expressions like, oh, i was going to say that like the eyes when they zoom in on the eyes yeah, i love those, those moments do, i love them they do them quite a lot in it and it really i don't know it really helps to sort of like do like if he was if it was a film it would be like that silent moment or a zoom mm. in on someone's face while they're just like huh and it really helps it to just like flow and come to life kind of thing make it more like couple of panels of the eyes narrowing when someone's getting angry like is it just a good way to show it like two or three panels of just someone going yeah exactly yeah. right yeah, yeah. the character yeah, yeah. uh Koro does that a lot there's a lot of uh, yeah. a lot of side eye in that character which i love uh any other moments that like visually stood out i know greg you mentioned some of the double uh page spreads and then zoom in zoomed in moments on expressions uh errands or or even greg there's there's a bit later on that I wanted to bring up because it really I really liked it because it was a nod to Berserk and it's where Lou meets a band of elvish elvish mercenaries and they're fighting in the Midland Wars which is like a big Berserk nod and oh. I really liked that because of that because it's like they're like a band of mercenaries fighting in the Midland Wars choosing sides etc which is kind of like what the band of the Hawk are doing in the Berserk anime and manga and I just I thought that was quite fun and it was oh, that's uh, cool. I quite liked how how haughty the elves were as well, the haughty elves. Yeah, I, I, I was a bit, uh, yeah, I was a bit taken aback by that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> was a bit weird. Yeah, like, you're not supposed to be like that. One of the questions I had, though, and this kind of goes to target audience as well, is uh, like, Erin, you mentioned the the style of art. And is it is it the case where like the, the style of art, so if you draw in this way, if you illustrate in this way, it has to be a like a, an all-ages story because the style fits so well. But this style of art 
couldn't be like a heavy Lord of the Rings type just because of the art style or or could it? Like does the style, does the illustration style almost dictate the the type of genre and maybe even target of your story? Well, I don't think there's a specific like rule set that anyone has to follow. I think there's like a trend. So generally like bigger epic stories are possibly just for like a mainstream kind of like trend tend to be maybe it's it's publishers who tend to select or like encourage some type of styles for some type of stories but i don't Mm. really believe that it's rule like this is like this is a cool epic story and has very approachable fun and simple you know like it's not full rendered uh as we were saying it's not it's not it's not this style but that fact that it's not the style doesn't subtract anything from the story it's just i think it fits it's this is a style that fits the story if they had done it in this style it would have had to probably be a different story or like with different tones because it's just i don't know i think you can tell everything with the style you want but there are some things that yeah. much better it's kind of like if you know when movies or like tv series you generally have you know like if you think about breaking bad for example like it has like some specific uh, camera movements and colors and photography and if you watch marvel movies it doesn't have the same kind of filmography so i think for comics it's the same like you can tell everything however you want but in general there are some stuff that like especially for as as we were saying before such a magical and and funky and cool like this i think finding a an art style that helps deliver that vibe is best choice you can make yeah it just kind of like stood out to me for uh for this in terms of like the style just it fits so well and i can't almost just by looking at it, you can tell what kind of story yeah. it is i tell you what kind of answers that question as well because for me i'm, I'm doing this again because i do this and all roads lead to batman when you're talking to me but, <laughs> you know artists like um bruce tim or darwin cook so Bruce Tim does the he did the Batman animated series stuff, and that's very right. stylized, very cartoonish, and he does a lot of like kind of like more serious stuff as well. Um, and Darwin Cook as well can tell serious stories with like his cartoon style. So because Darwin Cook has a what I would say is a very similar style to Bruce Tim in ways. If I can find a good example inside this book um, of what. I mean, the way that this is inked kind of makes it a bit thingy as well. But if you have a look here, like this is like a, a, a kind of okay. noir type thing because it's a Batman story. If you see what, I'm, what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's that kind of that kind of vibe. And I guess I guess you can kind of like Aaron was saying, you can tell any kind of story any way you want. It's it's it about like communicating. Yeah. yeah, the click. Yeah, yeah, it needs to be like a yeah, a match. There's almost like expectations depending on like the art style yeah. or the or the genre. You can kind of work with that uh, as well. So I mean, like in terms of the the genre, so this is a a fantasy uh, adventure. So I felt like when I was reading it that it starts off as it almost like looks like what you'd expect from a sort of a fantasy story but then sort of develops into something else as you get to know the characters but like Tazzy for for example for what you might expect from a the genre of a fantasy are there ways that you think this 
does well with that and always they even diverts from it for better or for worse i think for better because it does some cool things here but what do you think i think even just the the start start of it like as soon as you're introduced to lou just her character in general makes it a bit she's just so what's the term Mm. carefree yeah i was gonna say carefree she's like very carefree unattached she's not like the hero you usually expect or the you either have like a hero that's you know destined for greatness and adventure or the person that gets like chucked into adventure and like hasn't got a clue but she's just like you know she's just doing her own thing we find out like from the start she's quite strong but she's just still happy-go-lucky and then we already already know there's something deeper about her what was the question again <laughs> i was talking about um like like genre, uh, genre like the genre the things you'd expect from this type of genre so okay. like where where does this story kind of go with that uh what are the places where it goes in a, in a different direction that you might expect from this kind of uh genre story yeah. i love what you said though that, her, <laughs> she has a good introduction she, she does she does um Come back to me. Come back to me. Okay. <laughs> Did anyone else? Uh, I think it's in book one, the fully silent mermaid chapter. It's in the end stories, I think. Oh, they... oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was yeah. kind of yeah. after the main story, sort of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So just to give some people some context, there's a story, and then at the end, there's like uh, three short stories. They're not separate. Well, the character is always Lou, but it's like different, like small adventures that we don't know if they're in the future or in the past. And, you know, but it's just three separate stories that uh, see Lou doing, like going on different quests and doing different. Lou doing Lou things because adventure follows her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah. It, <laughs> and it is like uh, Hallie says in chat, like post credit scenes, it, it is kind of like that because when the book ended, I was like, oh, wait, there's still a lot more. And then it was a continuation, but they're separate stories but they they kind of fit the theme that left off from the end of the what i'd say the main story so it, it still hung together in that sense but it was at least it felt separate from the the main adventure uh, in that sense but um i think for like for me for the the genre uh, and what i'd expect because when I started the the story, like, like I said, it felt like a, okay. I I I feel I know what's coming. Like I'm expecting sort of like obviously adventure travel. I'm expecting a some kind of party, as in a party of travelers. But then where it sort of deviated for me is just the the nature of those travelers. So just seeing it's quite quite diverse cast. Like the the main character as uh, a female character, and also quite obviously skilled. So there was no, you know, sometimes you get. Uh, stories where I don't know there's training or like as he said if there's someone who's you know you are destined for adventure do you see a, a progression whereas Lou just comes training in and, <laughs> yeah no she's yeah, yeah. <laughs> she comes in and she's just like dealing with guards and, and evading capture and so she's very able from the beginning and then she meets her what become her group her tra- group of travelers and there's different like there's different tones there's different genders in there so I, at, at least for me that was something like okay there's something interesting is happening and then you kind of see them uh, i was gonna say you see them develop but they they come develop you just learn it's just revealed as the story goes on about 
their motivations uh, and their and their backstories. So, uh, and then in, in terms of the way the story is presented and the the world building uh, aspect, uh, I don't know if what uh, you all thought about this, but I feel sometimes when it comes to fantasy, the world building is a tricky one because you're dealing with if it's fantasy and it's a made up place there's a lot of explaining like if i set a story uh in london or, or in italy we kind of know like whether you've been there or not you know what to expect but when it's a, a fantasy in a different land you have to explain uh things but what i thought this story did was quite interesting it didn't it didn't dump a lot of world building on you from the beginning it very much just it went about the story it dropped some some things here and there and then kind of as the story progressed, it, it tied those bits together in terms of world building. Mm. Uh, and I wonder what you felt about that approach versus, you know, long ago in a in a village and there was this, yeah, that kind of approach uh, up front. Yeah. I, I like having explanations, but I think I like I like the approach that this takes where it, it kind of feels natural that we learn about things bit by bit. Mm. And we're learning about it through Lou. And it actually feels like... as. Well, I mean, she doesn't let on that she knows as much as she does, but she does know more than she lets on because, and we get that from page one, but like when uh, you're learning this through Lou, like almost as if Lou is learning this herself as well, or the other characters are learning it. When when we meet Koro and Prince Akersbjorn and they're like, they're learning it as well. And the prince knows, he, he's, he's like super book smart anyway. Mm. Uh, like he's he's learning stuff as well and they're all learning and discovering stuff together and we're learning it through their eyes so it kind of feels like we're because we're we're in that seat experiencing the world through them we're not in need of a giant big exposition dump because we're kind of like in their shoes kind of thing so it kind of feels more natural and it works that way because it's yeah it's always a balance when you're making stories because you have so if you do that big expo dump, uh, exposition yeah. dump, you it can totally like ruin the pacing of a story. But then I guess you you understand, and it's always a balance. But then if you're not letting people know like the whole backstory, so yeah. there were certain moments where even like the the phrase Erden or the the place where yeah. I was like, or at least initially I was like, I I don't know what that is. Should I know what that is? It's not necessarily like a hindrance to a story, but just a thought that came up. But what I like about sort of revealing things in stories is that like you say you, you learn through the characters and you learn through sort of like actions when characters do something or they're in the process of doing something and like oh that's what that uh, that means so even like the phrase Erden which kind of hints at what Lou might be early on because when she's introduced there's a lot of fire and it's like this idea of is she this Erden this this dragon that can take uh, shape in human form um so it gives like I felt it did well to give enough clues so you can kind of think what it might be without doing the big exposition dump. And I feel that maybe that's because of the nature of the story. So you don't want to, if you're yeah. making an all ages story, you want to consider like younger ages as well. Maybe not do a, like you have to read <laughs> pages and pages before you can enjoy the story. For want of a better word, it's ergonomic. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if ergonomic really works, but for want of a better word, it's ergonomic. Um, it's like um, it's ergonomic for the brain. Yeah. I very much agree. I, I, I liked how the information was delivered without it being two or four double spreads with like, this is all the history of the continent and all the things that have happened. Because mm. uh, I don't think they would have fit with the vibe, with the story, with the characters or anything like that. I like how it's very, as you were saying, like we kind of embark on the adventure with the party and we discovered the adventure and the 
friends and their traditions and the cultures with the party. So we we have a taste of what like the homeland of Prince Aki and Koro is like, but we are not told the history of the family or anything like that. We just have bits of, you know, the the day he he lives for his adventure and we understand what it feels like, what that means for his culture and the royal family. And we understand like the weight and the put on Koro as his shadow, as his this God that he has and always like there's this this we understand like the values and the 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 things that are important to their tradition and their families and uh, but we are not giving like incredibly long explanation. We get I think we get what we need to get to understand the characters and their point of views and kind of like where the story is going and then the 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 law just as we as we proceed as you were saying we we start you're not too sure what an Erden is but we find out and it's it's never as you were saying it's never a an obstacle like it, it always flows uh which which i really liked it's that um the jonathan hickman process with you know like how if you've is it decorum that he did with image comics and then if you read his x-men stuff as well you've got like comic 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 white page with info diagrams comic 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 info oh, really? comic yeah so if you read if you read like any of the the sort of like recent x-men stuff they do this thing where they have like these um like diagrams and things like mid-comic that explain things so they'll talk about something two or three pages before and then like you'll turn over it'll be a white page with a diagram that goes this is how this works and this is the structure of the society and everything else oh right which some people find it jarring yeah i, I think say. it's kind of cool but that's just me okay <laughs> I, I agree that sounds like I, it would be jarring i think it's 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 strange because it's not something that you are used to but I, what i like about that is if you're not keen on reading the whole page of information and you just want to go with the flow of the comic and read that you can come back to it you can read it another time yeah. you can read it before like it's not i i kind of like it and especially as someone who does follow marvel stuff but i don't read everything and it also many times like at least i think house of x has this like it gives you like timelines so because sometimes the stories are not linear so that kind of helps especially maybe if you're reading uh, issue by issue instead of buying like big paperback with everything and you can just Mm. read the whole way through um i kind of like it's i can see how some people might not enjoy that it's it's, you know everyone that they're on not as all ages friendly or intuitive as what Scales yeah. and Scoundrels does. The way Scales and Scoundrels no, passes out. The point I was, yeah, that's the point I was trying to make, I think. I think that was the point I was wanting to make. It's all coming out in little bits and pieces, like a shattered mm-hmm. mirror. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> Tazzy, what did you think about the, the world and the characters in it? Yeah, a bit like what you said um, with the characters. Obviously, we expect a party, but just who they are and how they sort of fit together quite interesting even like they look so different <laughs> not used to seeing kind of hairstyles in, <laughs> in, a, in a definitely in a fantasy comic uh, or even fantasy adventure story full stop but yeah there's even just like the like other sort of characters and creatures that are in it doesn't like over explain anything like what's the big beast thing in the beginning i forgot what it's called but um 
you just you know it's tough already and then it just gives such a light explanation of it but you don't need to know does it really matter you're fighting a big monster (laughs) that's all you need to know it's right there the only explanation you get is like the other dwarf turns up to save them from it and he's like that's a small one or something or we don't usually let them get that big i can't remember what he says something along those lines yeah and that they're tasty um yeah (laughs) (laughs) did anyone have any favorite locations out of interest I I love uh, the the Sword Bottom Cove, the underworld city. I think yeah, it's really yeah. cool. I think that's my favorite location. My favorite locale from the beginning is Darden Laria, with the demon statue, because I just like how they're so far underground that there's a sky again. Yeah, <laughs> I, thought that, I thought that was super cool. <laughs> I was like, okay, so far underground that there's now a sky again. So are we getting into the territory of like Hollow Earth stuff, like with um, the recent Godzilla and uh, Kong movie, oh, Kong. where they have the, yeah. the Hollow Earth thing with the sky inside the Earth kind of thing. I thought that was awesome, and I just I like I like things like that where you go so far down that down becomes up again. It's like it's. <laughs> It's, I don't know what it is about that that really appeals to me. It just does. And I liked the, um, I just liked the exchange in that between Lou and the demon when she's, the, the lettering there when she starts using the demon speech. Like some really cool lettering effects throughout, actually, but that is one of the coolest that scene is, is great. Yeah. No, I also love that, that scene when they're talking, talking the, um, the that demon language. Yeah. The demon but I also. <laughs> I also I really love the um like the river and then they get to the waterfall. That whole just that whole bit I think is like across two pages, two or three pages. A, I just love the colours there, like all the blues and it just I don't know, there was something about it. And then just the way that there's the way that the waterfall scene is drawn. I just love it. It reminds me of a roller coaster. Like it <laughs> it emulates a a, a water ride. When you guys get to book two, there's some really fantastic locales, like some really awesome places that they get to go to. But I, I, I don't know whether I can talk about it and spoil it or whether you guys intend to read it. So <laughs> I'll definitely be, be reading that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I just yeah. wanted to share uh, this part. This is my reminder. Yeah. Isn't it? yeah. Is that? Love that there you go. Yeah. Yeah, that one's when cool. They, this whole like, yeah, community, like way underground. Is that when they first underground. reach Sogbottom Cove? It is, isn't it? Yes, yeah. yeah. You can see all the houses and they get on the, the tour yeah. guide. And he's showing yeah. him around and yeah, just this just happy, jovial kind of guy. But yeah, so I, I thought that was uh, pretty cool. So I also wanted to talk about characters and themes. And I mentioned earlier that this kind of, for me, starts off like a, a let's say, typical fantasy story. And then I found myself getting more interested in it as I've learned the motivations uh, of the different characters so we kind of, and this goes to like world building as well, because through that you see more of the, or you learn about more of the world. But yeah, the motivations. Um, so I wonder if we're, there were any particular motivations that stuck with people. So for me, I like when we find out more about Lou and her backstory and why she is, why she is. The, the one that interested me particularly is actually uh, Koro. Uh, just because, so Koro is Aki's like bodyguard, a shadow, his shadow, and she has a duty to stick with him wherever he goes. So he's on this quest to uh, prove himself so he can take the throne back in his homeland. And Koro does not like Lou. And I feel, at first, I wasn't quite sure why, but then you realize that she, 
has this sense of duty that she might not be necessarily fully in favor of. And I guess for Lou, like the, the carefree kind of opposite uh, of her. So he just doesn't like her, doesn't trust her. But then when they meet that demon and the demon starts revealing truths uh, and he's like, you you are glad. Because I think at that moment, yeah, they think that Lou and Aki are dead. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, oh, you're glad, aren't you? I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> she is glad. <laughs> she's you're free uh, of your burden as a free, shadow. Yeah. 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 I thought, like, for me, that was such an interesting, like, uh, internal conflict uh, with the character. Yeah. And then they show up later. But, uh, <laughs> but but in that moment, it's kind of like, oh, wow. That, when you reveal that truth that you kind of kept hidden. So for me, that was that character stood out. But how about everyone else? Yeah, for me, totally the, the, um, the demon. Demon's very cool. I like Dorma, actually. Dorma's my favorite character. And I like Dorma because she's a complete badass. <laughs> <laughs> but she's kind of the unsuspecting, though, because you didn't necessarily... Well, I didn't necessarily see that in her when we first I mean, like, introduced. When you get into, you get through book one, when you get into book two as well, like there's a bit of Dorma in the beginning of book two, like some more dwarf stuff. And uh, Dorma's awesome because like her whole thing of conquering her fear and like mm. the, the thing with her, like um, does she find, she finds her brother's body at the end of book one, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah. All of that stuff. And like then her coming out and just taking out the demon. It's just incredible. <laughs> I, I love it. I love all of it. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Dorma fan. She's great. And uh, her, her part in uh, book two as well, when you get into book two and you get like some more character development with Dorma as well, it's really cool. Mm. Um, I was going to say, actually, when you were talking about the Scarlet Sands and the sense of duty and everything else, book two actually like in the second part of book two, it gets really deep into the Scarlet Sands stuff. They spend a lot of time there. So does that go into more of the world building and like showing more okay. about okay. the kingdom of the Scarlet Sands and about the prin- Prince Akersbjorn's like, duty and everything else and how it all yeah. works and society there and everything it's really cool Erin I saw you like uh <laughs> like a cheer for Dorma yeah it's definitely my fave too uh, I really like her I like how we see yeah I mean she, she's she's initially portrayed as this very quiet as very you know if I remember correctly she's very good at cooking and that's kind of like what what we get from her at the beginning it's like oh she's this very nice quiet dwarf lady uh, we stumbled across, uh, we, you know, we, we're just traveling together because we're going to the same place. Uh, and then, um, yeah, she's going on this quest to find her, her lost brother. And I really like her. Like, she's not the typical scary little girl that, I mean, Lou mm. is awesome and badass and strong, but Dorma is a normal girl she's not she's not a dragon she's not an yeah, elf yeah. Uh, as in like with super like an ancient elf with lots of magic she's just as young possibly war very terribly worried about her brother young dwarf lady and she's just doing her best and i think it's really cool I, she does what she can and she uh she comes out of it victorious and strong and cool so i really i really like it. yeah so it's going to sound like I'm copying, but also I need to <laughs> say I didn't know that Dorma was a badass. So oh, yeah. my <laughs> reasons for her being my favorite are completely different. <laughs> See, that proves a point. Like we, we're yeah. showing how, you know, she's not betrayed from the beginning to be that. She's yeah. the most normal of all of them because Koro is this highly trained, like trained from birth warrior. Prince yeah. Akersbjorn is this like um, yeah royalty. he's a prince and he's yeah he's royalty and he's you know he's really really book smart 
but mm. nothing much else. Uh, although he tries. And then um, Lou is like, yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> a massive scoundrel. Enthusiastic. So why did you like Dorma Tazzy? Because she's just like, super, like I liked her already. Just how she's drawn, some of the expressions, like the fact that she's just afraid of the dark, which is just hilarious, <laughs> considering that she is a dwarf. A dwarf, yeah. <laughs> Going into a big dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> and then we don't sort of like at first we just think she's just sort of come across Cora and the prince and just like yeah sure I'll, I'll come along we don't really find out her motive until what would be midway through the book yeah. <laughs> <laughs> towards the end if you've got the uh, image one that she's actually come down there to look for her brother and that she did have this this goal um and she's very determined to go on this mission though she is afraid of afraid of the dark and she's very caring and warm um even the fact that she's like i must have i forgot what it's called but the little bird thing that lights oh up. yeah <laughs> she's like it was his i must oh and it's just so cool yeah <laughs> and like just everything she does she even opens the the the, the cage for it it's like oh at least you can fly when they're falling down the waterfall and she's just always caring about everyone she's a very warm caring character and i just like her i want to give her a cuddle like she's <laughs> <laughs> incredibly huggable i think i i, I did like doom i i because i mentioned uh coro is not my favorite character but just the relationship between her and lou is my favorite because what i like about lou is she first appears as we said like this this sort of carefree i'm just very independent so she comes across just it's just about me i'm doing my thing and the moment i found super interesting uh well it was a moment where i think they'd lost they'd lost dorma because she was chasing that bird thing uh, and there was a, yeah. a i made a note of it she was like they came across a path and they were trying to decide which path to take and aki and cora were like deliberating over which path and uh, lou just says then just pick a path and run with it and i felt that just cap captured her character perfectly but then when the the demon showed up and they were like you know ready to fight and Lou was like, no, 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 you stop. This is <laughs> this is beyond you. And then she starts talking uh, demon talk. And you kind of learn a bit more about her and why she's doing what she's doing and that she's a dragon in, in people form. And I always find that really interesting. Characters who you, you think you know and Koro thought she knew what Lou was about. And then it's revealed that actually there's a lot of uh, depth to this seemingly like carefree character. And I always find that quite interesting in stories when it happens. So like that dynamic for me is like my my favorite kind of to watch unfold. Oh, and uh, and Cora like totally stitches up Lou in, in the bridge. Forgot about that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that as well. So that just popped into my head. I was like, yeah, she did that. <laughs> yes. That was kind of that was cold. Yeah, I don't like that. That's really yeah, cold. And no, it never like gets addressed. And she completely goes away with it, yeah. Yeah, because they're being chased by that massive creature and they're escaping over a bridge and Corwell basically the sabotages the, the bridge. As well, the guy and the hunter, yes. Yeah. So Corwell just sabotages the bridge so that 
when Lou's turn to come come across it, it just snaps and breaks. It's like, damn, that is that's cold. That is cold. I'm gonna get the visual up. Oh, there we go. Let's get these props in here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she just acts like she knows nothing about it. She's yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. That's some shady stuff. Like I'm just imagining so like being sat around a table of D D players and then someone going, DM, can I sabotage the bridge before Lou goes across? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then the other players will just be like, because everyone knows about it like out of game, but then in game it happens anyway, and you have to just roll with it. Uh, I, shady D stuff. <laughs> I think that was like for me where I was just like, I don't like horror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she was just being like, she was just being like, you know, cautious, overprotective, da 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 da. And then that was like, no, that was malicious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the fact that you showed no remorse for it whatsoever, yeah. like none. <laughs> yeah. Not even a hint of it. I was like, that was messed up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that even from the Warmer, point of view of Warmer someone who never. has to to basically do and guide what's best for the prince, I think that was a bit too much. Yeah. So that, just that crossed the line. Especially because the prince really likes Lou. Like, yeah. he's so fond of her. And then you're just like, yeah, let me just kill off someone. Yeah. I think that <laughs> actually, it actually works very well with the scene in which we find out that maybe she the shadow of it, yeah. the guardian of the prince because like in that in that scene when we find out how you know how resentful she is and or might be towards her her duty her job and role and then you know you, one thing that you would not expect from a, a guardian of that kind is to let emotions and feelings guide them like they should be battle ready and do what actually you know strategically what is good for the group or the person that they're protecting so when she yeah. does that she's clearly taking a decision for like based on i don't want this person to be around us around the king and the prince and myself so i decide to get rid of them because i want to get rid of them she doesn't really have like it like they actually at that time like they're running from a monster so having someone else who can fight is actually a good she's basically is the only one so that's when you get like a glimpse of like oh maybe she's much more uh like emotion driven that we would think we maybe think. she has it definitely shows shows you that like and i feel like it builds up builds on it because there's other little things that she does that I'm like, I was just a bit like this there, like, huh. From the beginning, I was like, what? Yeah. I knew there was a, an emotion driving her and not just her duty, but it was like, what is that emotion was the question, not if yeah. it's emotion. I think there's an element of jealousy there as well because the king likes Lou, like is friends with Lou and, and mm. like wants to, wants to learn more about Lou, like, and everything else and i think coro's like a little bit jealous of the fact that the king is interested in other people like mm. and interested in lou and and feels threatened because lou is as handy as she is kind of thing and it's like oh well okay <laughs> yeah well i mean i was saying that the because for for coro and lou is because coro is on the side of just almost blind duty uh whether you have a choice or not and lou is just carefree and i felt like there was a resentment like on a Sort of deeper level as a resentment of just who Lou appears uh, to yeah, be. I can see that as well. There's a point as well where um, 
the prince just snaps at Cora. Yeah. And oh yeah. Kind of like yeah. enough is enough. It's like yeah, no, you yeah. are my shadow. <laughs> <laughs> Stop interfering with my you talk life. Too much for a shadow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And it, and he, and he mentions about his adventure and his freedom. And then I think maybe like if you sort of go back and look at that after seeing Cora's motives, that you're like, oh yeah, like she's also jealous of the prince that he's uh, allowed to do things. Yeah. <laughs> or make his own decisions. Yeah. Yeah, and basically, like wherever he goes, she has no agency. Exactly, he is in control of risking her life. Yeah. So before we uh, get to themes and and end with that, I just want to make sure we don't forget any of the let's say supporting characters. Uh, Did any of those stand out? I I particularly like the mercenary hunter with the dogs. I don't what was his name. I've forgotten. Um. In the art book, they call him. Did yeah, so there's no name in the book, name. I think. Yeah. I don't think that's in, a name. I just called him here. Dog Guy. That's the name in book two. Uh, yeah, the Bounty Hunter. Book, yeah, they call him the Houndmaster in the digital art book. So yeah, the Bounty Hunter. Dog, yeah. dog Guy. Yeah. Dog Guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is that, can you guys see that? I don't know if you can see that clearly, but it's basically there's, sort of a, there's a panel. Yeah, that is kind of blurred. Okay, I'll leave the focus. But there's a panel of the bounty hunter, the dog guy, walking with his dogs. And it just made me realize that there's no medium where coolly walking away or walking towards the camera is not yeah. really cool. <laughs> <laughs> there's just yeah. comics, yeah. action films, whoever it is, just coolly walking towards the camera. That works for any medium. So, Especially if you have companions on either side. Is that it's the symmetry? Is this, you yeah. need you need the companions. You need the confident stride. He had that. It was it was not, definitely not Dog the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> uh, Halle, it, was de- it was definitely not yeah. Dog the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> it was a bounty hunter with dogs. Uh, oh, there it is. Yeah. He gets the name. His name is uh, well. I, I, his name's Kellyan. So he gets a name in book two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I like. I like what happens to the dogs when he does the thing at the end of Book One as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm missing doggy stuff. Did you, did you <laughs> like that? <laughs> um, in terms of supporting characters, I don't, I don't know his name, but the dwarf's like, is he a goblin friend? The green guy? Oh, oh yeah. I know who you mean. In the, yeah. in the, yeah. in the village. Yeah. Because yeah. he's just chilling, fishing. And then Lou like lands Lapped, right yeah. next, and he's like, "What are you doing, you crazy person? How did you? How did you? Where'd you come <laughs> from? Like what?" Yeah. And then oh, you're lying. Really sort of... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and then when we get back to the the like little village, he's just like, I don't know. He's just he's just like there. He's just one comment, it's just here and there, just sprinkling some. <laughs> <laughs> Quite like the Elvish band of the Hawk. They're cool. Uh, the elves. Oh, the elves. Yeah. yeah, I, I didn't like them. I they they rubbed me the wrong way. I'm going to be honest. They, yeah, I don't feel. Me too. <laughs> like, You're not supposed so... to like them. Yeah, like... no, I get. That. Yeah, yeah, I get but that. You, but I thought they were a cool. I thought they were a cool like part of the comic, and I, I think I just like it because it's a nod to Berserk. Yeah. And the um, <laughs> I like the uh, the mermaid as well. I thought the yeah. mermaid was quite a cool character. Yeah, quite a cool. Really cool. Oh, I'm gonna, uh, Tazzy, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lend you my copy so you can fill these gaps. Yeah. I will do that. I think so I'm because I spent so long getting it. <laughs> How about you, Erin? 
for me, I think I really, uh, again, speaking of the short story at the end, like the, I, there's, there's a final one in which we, there's like a council with lots of like very cool, interesting characters that kind of gives us a glimpse into Lou's background a bit more. And I thought they would like, the, they were all very interesting. I like that short story and I, I like how they gave more information and feedback like on like what happened or like what happens around her but without again without giving you the whole long explanation and i'd be interested in seeing interested in seeing more of these characters and like their connection with her they've been mentioned in exile or banishment banishment and it's just like backstory of the characters and uh i i really enjoyed that one cool okay all right, so before we end, I always like to see if there's any themes and messages. Um, and partly I, I do this. So when I do workshops with kids and stuff, I always make a mention of like the moral of the story or like a theme or a message uh, to get that across to them. So want to be consistent and, uh, and do that with you guys as well. So was there any, did you pick up any themes or messages from this story or from any particular character? It's about finding yourself and not the the whole central theme that i found with this was about kind of like finding yourself and and building a new world and being the future because these are all quite young characters i don't know how we we, do, we don't know how old lou is we can assume centuries yeah. but yeah true <laughs> yeah. so yeah. young looking yeah. Um, but it's like it's one of those um, one of those things where youth is relative because it's the fantasy realm and people live for hundreds of years. But yeah, it's like so they're all quite young characters and they're all the future of their in in a way each of them represents the future of their part of the world. So Dorma is kind of like the the next generation, the future of her burrow of dwarves, and like the prince and Koro are, are the future of the sands, the future of the Scarlet Sands. Like they're the future rulers and the future of their tribe, or their nation. And then you've got like um, Lou, who is like the future of whatever she's the future of. That I can't try not to be spoilery here. But yeah. So, and it's just like everyone is like the the kind of like, and it's about finding yourself and about being having the courage to be the future and about. Although you know you have to kind of learn from the past we don't have to adhere to the dusty old relicky ways of what came before us we are the next generation we'll do things our way thank you very much <laughs> okay how about you erin yeah i very much agree i i i for me it's like there's a strong sense of like choosing your own path which uh would be interesting to you know in mentioning that there's an issue too there is more about the king and Koro and their country and their and everything, especially for someone like a person who's going to be a king and someone who's been trained their whole life to be the king's shadow. Like I think that's that's you know just big responsibilities. And uh, with Lou as well, there's a lot of unspoken things about her past and her futures and her duty and what she should be doing. Uh, but I think there's a very strong sense of, uh, yeah, writing your own story and following your own path. But I think there's also a sense of like choosing your family, like the chosen family, saying like, yeah, blood, can, you know, can have family and that. But I think that there's like, we see that a lot in the uh, Sogbottom Cove where people who are survivors of this, like they're all ex 
explorers and adventurers. And they all ended up at the bottom of Earth or the planet where they're all staying. And they just found each other. And it's just like, you know, we're going to make it work. We have each other. And there's no race. There is no, like, religion. So, like, there's goblins and dwarves and all creatures and people sharing the same space. Because they're there. And they don't really need to go back to whatever they were doing. Uh, and they made they made their own little place because it's just it's just them and they just continue to do their thing uh, and I really like that. No, I like that as well. I for me, I, I agree with the idea of choosing your own path because that's I mean they all do that to a certain respect, but I guess as the protagonist, like Lou is the one who has definitely rejected where she is from and she's given up or I guess been cast out uh, in a way. Uh, of this circle of dragons i don't think that's the official <laughs> name of the group mm-hmm. but the circle of dragons uh, and she's kind of given up that path to find her own and what's interesting is this um because as she's getting closer to aki they play was it they play the riddle the riddle game and yeah. she kind of stumps aki earlier on mm-hmm. and later on he kind of comes back at her at when in in sort of dragon form and uh, and he has the question of, uh, like, who are you, ultimately? Like, who are you? And that sort of stops her in her tracks. And you then realise that, you know, this is what Lou has been doing, like, from the beginning, when we see her in this bar playing this this game with these randoms. Like, she's on this quest for, even though she says treasure, it's like, who am I? And you see that a bit more in, like, the, the after-credit uh, stories afterwards. So I quite like that theme of, that choosing your own path and figuring out who are you, what do you stand for, what are you about, uh, and trying to get to that point. That's the real treasure. <laughs> it's the friends so, you made along the way. Long day, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, definitely in the first half. In the, yeah, what? <laughs> so this is, um, it's a lot, like the theme that I noticed is a lot about like, not so much secrets. I wouldn't call them secrets, but just not like they're just being more to people than when you first meet them and that they don't have to just blurt out everything about them, like their whole story when you first meet them. Like that's normal to just have secrets. Having secrets is not abnormal kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Your cards close to your chest kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then how also that like helps develop relationships without making assumptions or uh, your own perceptions based on where someone comes from or what's happened in their past. Yeah, that definitely carries through. So cool. So that's what uh, that's our discussion about scales and scoundrels. And we're going to get to some questions. I think that I've seen some questions in chat. Uh, we also want to find out uh, what Erin and Greg are up to. And then we'll let people know also what we're up to. Uh, in the Mayamata universe. So yeah, let's see what questions we have in chat. Hello, anyone that has joined us while we've been talking as well. Thank you for joining us today. (laughs) It will be available to watch after, so anything you've missed, you can catch up on, and it will also be audio version available after as well. So Hallie asks, does that cut out power scaling through the story, would you say? And I can't remember what that was in. 
relevant for. That's in reference to the way that the information is passed out throughout the story in the way that it kind of like they build the world without dumping loads of exposition and does it cut out power scaling how we how the characters come in established and we already know oh yeah um i guess yeah in a way it does because you don't hmm that's an interesting question because it's not necessarily about progressing to a certain stage as as it is revealing what the characters are and can do. already capable of like yeah, and then great. when they're in yeah. that in the, when they're pressed when they're in that pressure situation then it kind of comes out like like Dorma <laughs> when but, um, he's like the <laughs> ultimate example of that yeah I mean I don't know if if I would even say that power scaling is relevant with this type of story mm. because it's like when I think of power scaling I'm thinking of shonen manga yeah yeah <laughs> I was literally thinking yeah, that yeah, same that's thing true. I was like that's true. I, yeah. I really <laughs> there's none of that <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. None of that. It's nice <laughs> because we don't have like a, we don't have power scale. We don't have the whole take this big test. And yeah. It's not like you have to climb the ladder to reach the yeah. next test and be powerful enough to get to the next one. Yeah, there's none of that yeah. involved. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if that, if that is really a concern with this at all, because I don't think this, this isn't that kind of story at all. It doesn't follow that model in, in, a, in that way. I mean, powers like, Nigel was saying powers are revealed slowly as we go through. We learn more about the character. We learn more about what they're capable of, and they learn more about themselves. So I guess it's 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 passed out in that way instead of doing yeah. it in yeah. And I don't think the story the story is not about power. So why why does it matter? <laughs> like, about treasure. <laughs> yes, but yeah, it's about treasure. <laughs> yeah, like we 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 only need to know how powerful they are for the relevance of you know. Can yeah. they beat this monster? Da, da, da. But it's not it's not integral to the to the story because the story's yeah. not about them gaining power. It's not about them yeah. being the most powerful being in any way or you know, it's about more of a emotional and personal growth and yes. connection. Yeah, I mean they do take quite a big beating at some point, so it's really not yeah. them yeah. being the best yeah. fighters or the level fives. <laughs> I yeah. know they're, 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 they're just like a, a very still unexperienced D&D party they're not we don't I don't know maybe in the whole run like at the end we see them reach like 15 but that's not what what this is meant to be about like it's not them uh finding the the legend sword and then uh the scroll of infinity it's just it's it's more about the journey, and I know it sounds very cliche, but that's kind of it. Like, <laughs> that's what it is. It's more it's about, about the journey. The power, yeah, you can you can feel the DM's guilt uh, <laughs> when uh, when he when when the beatings are uh, kind of like uh, passed out, and everyone takes a beating, and you can just sort of like see the DM thinking, maybe I should stop sticking the boot in the ribs just about here because yeah. I don't want to kill the party. I want to make it fun. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, um, I love that analogy. We've got, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> we've got time for one more question. Uh, yeah, let's see what we pick one. Do you want to pick one? Uh, okay. Oh, uh, interesting. So, uh, Hallie also asked, uh, would you say this is a kind of coming of age story, even if it's not age as much as finding themselves? What do you guys think? Yeah, I I would say yeah, I I would say with the even if it's not about like I I would say that the second part of the question that makes me say yes. When we meet Lou, she already does 
all the crazy stuff. She might develop, as we were saying, more powers, more things, more stuff later on. But that, uh, yeah, it's more focused on the like mindset and their feelings and their relationship towards uh, the rest of the party and their backstories and traditions and cultures and things like that. So I would say yes, but not in the class, maybe not in the classical coming of age, especially for possibly a fantasy genre in which the young and unexperienced hobbit who goes on a very out of scale thing and actually wins at the end. Uh, yeah. it, it's more of like, hey, this, you know, this is about the very cool elf who was already very powerful. And they're just finding out that they're powerful in a different way. I don't know. I think that that would be more but I'll bring that. Um, can I just reply to Hallie about the scene uh, where he talks about Godzilla or they talk about Godzilla the scene of Godzilla looking through the earth me mugging a worried Godzilla is maybe one of the most absurd and greatest moments of cinema ever I agree <laughs> I just wanted to disagree with that um, cool. yeah uh, I know we said that that was the last question but yeah, I do I want to quickly on. <laughs> I also want to quickly answer this question because uh, Anne asked uh, although Tazzy didn't get the full story is she interested in reading the rest yes oh that's I just a good wanted question to make sure that that was answered in the podcast yeah okay <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> cool nice yes um, even if right, we before... did spoil half of it yeah I know we, we've... sorry <laughs> <laughs> not just about the information it's about the how, how yeah the, the journey the journey the journey, the journey. Yeah, yeah we didn't i, I don't think we, we spoiled all that. of it and i've still yeah. got book two to look forward to so yes. yeah i'm gonna get ahead of you oh, yeah. on that one because yeah. greg's already I don't, it, I don't think i've spoiled yeah. any of it i think i've just yeah. left enough breadcrumbs to kind of like lead you into reading the rest of it cool i'll definitely begin it and i will be taking this to workshop sessions as well because it's always good to have uh, age-appropriate uh, comics. I made that mistake once, and now it's uh, yeah, it's uh, on my mind. I uh, <laughs> wore something with you, yeah. like <laughs> no, but I. Well, it, it was Paper Girls, um, oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. then some words in there that kids repeated, and I was like, "Where did that come from?" Oh, the comic I gave you. So now I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Well, anyway, before before any like yeah. parents jump on this and see that, um, so. <laughs> That is our discussion before we end the stream uh, and I get myself in any more trouble. Let's just check in and find out uh, what our guests have been up to or will be up to. Yeah, so like we do in our pre-recorded podcast, we like to find out about what our guests are doing, what they've got going on and where everyone can find them online. So we'll start with Greg. Greg, what projects have you got coming up and where can we find you? Just the usual, um, just the Ace Comicals podcast, if you liked the conversation that was had here today. More of it on a bi-weekly basis over at my podcast, because this is what I do. Um, so if you go to www.acecomicals.com, we have like a whole kind of like, yeah, <laughs> we're available everywhere. Podcasts are available. We discuss comics, do reviews. Um, we do big breakdowns of stuff as well. Like I recently did, finished like a huge breakdown of Batman Nightfall which was kind of fun to do. And I want to like, I, I've got some stuff in the works that I'm thinking of doing that I want to do. And uh, hopefully I will get around to that at some point. But it's like one of those things where I've got like a million, spinning a million plates kind of thing. So yeah, we'll see. And Erin, what about you? Projects? 
where can we find you? So projects, the one that I can talk about is uh, I am the colorist on Justice League Last Ride with Chip Zarsky at the script and Miguel Mendoza on the beautiful, beautiful line art. And I think issue five just came out. It's a seven issue series. So we are getting close to the uh, big conclusion. I am extremely proud of it because I'm coloring Batman. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I you should be proud. If I told my 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 I know five year old kid who version who was obsessed with Batman cartoon series, I, I don't think I'd believe myself. Uh, so I'm very very proud. I, I'm having a blast coloring it. I'm working on coloring on other two, uh, graphic novels, like longer uh, projects that I can't pick up yet, but I hope I'll be able to say some. And uh, in the meanwhile. You can find me at Erin uh, Angelini on socials uh, for yeah coloring and lots of D and D art because that's another thing that I think. Uh, yeah, that's 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 I and I will be a thought bubble in uh, November. Oh yeah, so, me too. Yes, Nigel will be there too. So come say hi. I'll see you there. Yes, awesome. I didn't get a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Convention <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. <laughs> is is Fort Bubble on the same weekend as MCM? MCM Birmingham. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah, someone's not talking to it. But <laughs> everyone's just like, let's get all the events out. Yeah. It's quick, before they shut it, shut it up again, <laughs> just get them all there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, as well, celebrate that win. I love mm. that you're taking the time to take in that you're coloring Batman like yes but still yeah. I, there's sometimes in which i open files and just bat, i'm just like that's bad that's bad <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm like i'm coloring and i turn to my partner and i'm just like <laughs> that's batman <laughs> I, I'm, I'm coloring batman or like we watch something with batman and i'm just, like i know about him <laughs> i color that let me tell you about batman <laughs> complete idiocy it's just like every time i see batman <laughs> Yes. It must be really cool to have like a kind of like a part in something as, as big and grand as Batman, like a like a, a hand in, in that level of kind of thing, like yeah. pop culture type. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because I, I, I mean, I've, I've always like, it was so far up for me that I like, if you'd asked me a year ago, uh, you know, what would you want? And I was Thor and Doctor Strange. I never like really thought that I could get to coloring Batman. It's just, like, it's Batman. Like the no elite. One no one colors yeah, Batman. Now... Batman colors himself. It's himself. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you're now a part so, of that that eighty year tapestry kind of thing, which is cool. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. Hashtag blessed by Batman. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is really cool. Yeah. All right, let's wrap up. So yeah, no, thank you. Uh, we just want to make sure, like, people know some of the stuff that we've got uh, coming up. So. Uh, yeah, Tazzy, do you want to let people know? First of all, thank you everyone for joining us today. Thank you for watching. We have... Some... <laughs> so I just uh, read it and I'm like... Yeah. <laughs> we have a podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's my fault. Um, we have a podcast, in case you didn't get that from the, the last hour. So our latest episode, uh, we talked to Michael Chu, who's a narrative director um, and formerly lead writer of Overwatch. And our next episode, 
is a deep dive into your name. So like the way we um, dove into this story, we pretty much do the same thing uh, with different guests on a week-to-week basis. Really enjoyed uh, your name. A lot of uh, a lot of emotions in that one. So uh, check that out uh, once that is available. And uh, we have Gamepad coming up on Saturday, the 16th of October. You excited for that, Tazzy? Yes, I am excited for that. We have some cool games uh, being played in our Friendly Fire competition. We've got Rocket League, but yep. our own spin on it. And oh my God. Knockout City. Knockout City. Yeah, like yeah. Knockout City. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Knockout City. <laughs> I think they got that on the box as well, the, do- the Dodgeball the one. The Dodgeball one, yeah. <laughs> so a lot of great games. So we'll be streaming uh, streaming the gameplay for that. We've got interview panels and some cool pl- prizes as well. You can also join the Gamepad Discord and become a Studio 70, 77 member where we have exclusive access to gamepad events and content from the Myomada universe. Members will be able to access the recording of this club. The Story Club stream past the 14 days that it's available on Twitch VODs. So, you know, if you want to come back to this after the 14 days, make sure you remember, along with loads of other content that we're doing on there. Yeah. Last thing to mention, just got to make sure I mention this because... Seriously, the fog is almost done, but for real this time. So, uh, we've I've seen the pages. I've seen the real pages. <laughs> they are they are there. So we've got um, we're putting that together for print. So that's pretty much my Friday is uh, getting that together so we can send that to print uh, next week. Hopefully, uh, I keep putting things on record and then, but uh, yeah, yeah. no, it is there. No. Um, so definitely check that out. We have other manga as well. So we've got our Universal Characters, Samurai Chef, Serious Volume 1, and Hot Lunch. So we're slowly building up our uh, catalogue of manga. And as Erin mentioned, um, I will also be at Thought Bubble. So I'll be giving Serious uh, Through the Fog its convention debut at Thought Bubble and also doing a workshop session on one of the days. I'm not sure which, but I'm going to be doing that. So... Uh, and meeting Erin, who I've never actually seen in real, <laughs> real life, it just occurred to me because, uh, yeah. yeah, pandemic. <laughs> yes, yeah, so. we, we've talked several times on here. Yeah, but never. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. so, <laughs> which is gonna look cool. amazing, we, sound amazing in podcasts here and here. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Right, but <laughs> <laughs> so looking forward to that for sure. Um, and yeah, last thing. Yeah, just stay tuned because we do podcast episodes every week. They include creator interviews, uh, video game discussions, and deep dives into stories across pop culture. Uh, As always, you can give us your feedback on this uh, and other episodes to feedback at myamada.com and also check out the website to subscribe um, to future episodes. So that's myamada.com forward slash story x story. Thank you for tuning in. Um, we're gonna go and get uh, Tazzy this uh, the rest of this book. So let's do that. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye.